Let us pray. Thou sacred love, grace on us bestow. Set our hearts with heavenly fire aglow. Grant that that with hearts united we love each other, of one mind and peace with every brother. Lord, have mercy. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus. Amen. We have already heard from our lessons this evening what Holy Scripture admonishes us concerning the duties of workers and employers, and also to young people in general. Let us also hear, with brief commentary, the last two portions of the table of duties which we ran out of time this Lent to devote a Wednesday to consider. To widows. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate trusteth in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. First Timothy 5. Now here St. Paul is saying that such a woman is a true widow who, because of her virtue and integrity, has no need to be ashamed to rely on the charity of her Christian congregation. The widows who leech, however, and who take advantage of Christian charity, including single mothers who are functionally widows, are as good as dead and should be treated accordingly and cut off. The church has no command to throw money away at charlatans and scammers in the name of mercy. No, we have the duty rather to learn what mercy is. And this is often done, however, to the exclusion and neglect of the great need within one's own congregation. But congregations have grown love, have grown cold in love and are not very sensate to the needs around them. And that's a shame. We should do good to all. We should give preference, however, to the household of God and to those members of it who honor God by keeping his word. To all in common, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Herein are comprehended all the commandments, Romans 13, and persevere in prayer for all men, 1 Timothy 2. And then Luther ends with this nice little rhyme he wrote, Let each his lesson learn with care, and all the household well shall fare. You see here, then, that we come full circle to our first midweek lessons. To all in common is the duty to fulfill the whole law. To love one another and to pray for all men. And all the more as we live together and see one another's needs and ask God to do for each other as we ask God to do for us. We share each other's burdens. This is our duty to summarize them all. Now, I read these last two sections just so that we might hear the rest of the table of duties, but we won't particularly address them any further. Suffice it to say that there is not a station in life you find yourself in for which God does not give direction to you concerning how you should live. He who created you cares how you live your life. He wants 
to give you life in abundance. He who gave you life is the one who directs your life, and he takes your life, and he wants to give it back. He shines his word on your path, and no corner of your life is unillumined if you will take heed and learn. From elderly widows to young children, from rich to poor, this is most certainly true. St. Paul writes that there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3, 28. In Christ we are one. Come to church on Sunday and learn what that oneness is and where it comes from. Christ is not divided. If our differences seem to divide us, it is not because Christ is divided. It is because we divide ourselves and refuse to be united. And we do this all the time for various reasons. But whatever the reason, it is because we are not thinking like Christians, but like worldlings instead, who have no eternal city to which they aspire and who have no God in heaven who cares for them. Those who go to heaven when they die are those who are united with Christ while they live. Christ is not divided, but has fellowship with all his members in a mystical union no less mysterious and wonderful than the union of God and man in the person of Jesus Christ our Savior. So are we united. The reason we divide ourselves is because we refuse to learn from God how he has arranged us in a magnificent order. We have spent Lent learning this. As in the body, so in the church, each member serves the head and vice versa. And by serving the head, we serve each other. Not each of us is the same, but our Lord is one, our baptism one, our God and Father and faith are one. A living body is united, a dead body is divided even if it's still all stuck together. There is division when each part is cut off from the head. There is division when, on one hand, a slave listens to his Lord Jesus about how he should submit, but then, on the other hand, his master does not. This division hurts, but the slave obeys his master as if he were serving Christ, from whom he is not cut off. There is division when a father is cruel to his son with no fear of God, even while his son in reverence to his true father in heaven gives honor to his deadbeat dad. This is a sad lot, but it is not devastating if the boy has God's word. There is division when husband won't sacrifice himself for his wife and when the wife won't submit to her husband. It is ungodly and evil and it hurts and divides more people for more generations than men and women even realize when they simply pursue their own felt needs and expect God to submit to them as they choose their own station and calling in life. But oh, what unity to the contrary, what unity there is when master knows that he himself has a master in heaven who shows no partiality and when his servant knows it too 
What beautiful unity when the master's high station is no cause for him to be haughty and mean any more than the low station of his beloved servant is cause for him to be lazy and bitter. What wondrous unity when husband and wife listen to what God who joined them together in marriage tells each one how to treat the other and when their children know their place and who created them and who loves them. What unity there is not when hands and feet compete or when eyes mock the blindness of ears, but when we all serve the same head who gives movement, feeling, and direction to each of us. Then we are whole. Then we are one. Division comes when we try on our own to realize the erasure of distinctions between Jew and Greek, slave and free, male and female, by ignoring the precious, precious distinctions that truly exist between us here in time on earth. These words I quoted from Galatians 3 are not an order or directive to you from St. Paul, but a statement of reality in Christ. In other words, you're not commanded to pretend that there's no difference between slave and free or boy and girl. Rather, you are commanded to believe that in Christ you are one. It is not through social engineering or equalizing that we undo the distinction between ourselves or pretend they don't require different duties of one toward another. No, we find our unity and our peace where we fulfill the duties that God gives to us according to what station in life he has placed us, and when we see to these duties together under the grace of God who sent his Son to pay our debt, our highest duty, by suffering and dying for all our sins as the sinless one who loved God above all things and his neighbor as himself, and who suffered and died for all our sins against him, and so for all our sins against one another. And so we live united when we confess and depend on this same Christ who shows no partiality or favoritism. He forgives the father and the son, the husband and the wife, the slave and free, all the same, and clothes them all with the same robe of his own blood-bought righteousness. We heard in our lessons this evening a special focus on the duties of young people in general. It's fitting that we spend the rest of our time on this, not only because I sort of merged this service with our usual young folks Bible study and get-together, but mostly because by focusing on what young people, young folks owe, St. Paul hits at the center of how we are all to fulfill the duties we have, no matter what station of life we find ourselves in. It is humility. St. Paul addresses us young people, or you young people, depending on how you think of me. He addresses us in between, first, an admonition to pastors to be faithful servants of the gospel for your sake, and second, a warning to us all that the devil seeks to harm us, and so we should listen to what the pastor is preaching. Couched in between there is his admonition to young folks. 
He addresses the pastor first. He exhorts pastors to shepherd the flock of God as stewards of Christ. He calls them elders. This means they're, that they're older than the youngers. For what does it mean to be a member of the flock of God? It means you're God's lamb. That's a baby sheep. You're his child. You depend on him. By depending on God, you depend on the word he sends pastors to preach to you. You are to regard the preaching of God's word as more precious than anything. Than anything. Take they our life, goods, fame, child, and wife. Let these all be gone. They yet have nothing won. The kingdom ours remaineth. The kingdom of God can be compared to many things. And it is the preaching of the gospel. You are divided from each other and from God without it. Your life is otherwise lived in the quest of vainly seeking peace and unity and equality and equity and fairness. And in the end, when you fail, some sense that even though the world didn't do what you thought the world should do, or your children didn't do what you told them to do, you were right and they should have listened to you, but what a cheap consolation at the end of life when you are permanently divided from a divided world and forever divided from God himself. No, you find union with those you love on earth by hearing God's word from your pastor and with those who also seek peace in Christ alone by going to church to hear it. We are members one of another. You say Christ dwells in your heart, and so you skip hearing the word of God and singing his praises, but I don't dwell in your heart. And neither does your brother sitting next to you. You need Jesus, and Jesus gave his life for every single one of us, not as a ticket to heaven, but as access to one another's lives so that we might live our lives to serve each other. We are members, one of another. And so you follow the examples your pastors set for you. Or what kind of arrogance is that, huh? God tells me to be an example. You just heard it. Is this for my sake or for yours? I am disqualified as a preacher of the gospel if I do not serve as your example. This is for your sake. Judge, therefore, how my life, how Pastor Berg's life, or whoever pastor you have had or have, judge his life and see how it honors God. Seek to honor God yourself. Your pastor is not your head. Christ is. Christ alone is your shepherd. But your pastor here shepherds you. And God, first and foremost, tells pastors how to do that. It is as Jesus himself exhorts his disciples. The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. As though they give all these good things, huh? But not so among you, Jesus says. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger and he who governs 
as he who serves. Let him be as the younger. Let the elder be as the younger. Christ is among us as one who serves, and he is our benefactor. He gives us the best. So come to church on Sunday and learn more about what this means. It requires great humility. It requires that you swallow your pride and confess it to God. It requires great humility from you to hear the word of God and keep it, because the only way you're going to do that is to hear it from a man like me. It requires humility from you younger people, you young folks, to be submissive to your elders. And the same can be said in regards to talking about all our elders, old men, old women, and talking about pastors, too. It takes humility for pastors not to be domineering while still carrying out their duty to admonish and rebuke and persist in directing you to what you ought to be doing and not doing. Submit in humility. God resists the proud, but you need grace. So be content to be a younger folk. No matter how old you are, no matter how wise you are or think you are, a younger folk who submits to the preaching of God's word that your younger elder says. It is by such humility and hearing God's word, taking it seriously, gladly learning it, and coming to where it is proclaimed to you that God gives grace to the humble. You know what side your bread is buttered when it comes to how you regard your boss. But your pastor isn't your boss. He's your brother. But if there's gain in showing regard for your employer, your benefactor, how much more gainful is it to receive the word of God with a good and honest conscience, knowing too that you make your pastor's job a joy by loving what he is duty-bound by God to preach to you. So we must all humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have won for us the victory. That's the song of Easter. And you cast your care upon him whose mighty hand is nowhere mightier on greater display than where your pastor, humbly, albeit confidently and with the same certainty that you yourself need and depend on, declares what God's word teaches each and every one of us to love. And we love it. We love it together. Young and old, male and female, rich, poor, healthy, sick. Those in power, those who have none. Those who mourn and those who rejoice. Dear brothers and sisters, we all love what Jesus gives us tonight. He gives us his word. He forgives us our sins. He gives us his body and blood to eat and drink for the surety of peace with God who does not judge us because we have first judged ourselves and he has already cast all judgment on his son. So cast your care on him who cares for you upon whom all of us cast our cares. Your brotherhood is here where our elder brother serves us in humility. You know the cares of your heart. You don't know all of mine. But you know the cares of your father's heart when you hear the word of Jesus and keep it.
And he is my father too. So prepare to sing Easter song. Prepare to sing Easter song by coming with Jesus also this coming week. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. As we see what victory his divine patience and humility has won for us. He was exalted in due time. So will we be too. We suffer. We bear in our hearts divisions we can't mend. We struggle with sins we hide from each other. And temptations we are ashamed to talk about out loud. But we as members of the same body gather under one head Jesus Christ who teaches us and bears with us and has mercy upon us. And you look around and what do you see? You see your brother or sister saying amen, singing with his or her heart to the Lord, receiving on his or her tongue the body that saved all of us and the blood that makes all of us pure before God. So let us be pure before each other. For you also see each other as each of us crushing under our feet by faith the same devil who is harassing and hunting you. That's why we've started this young folks Bible study. It's also why we hear the word of God every Wednesday during Lent. It's also why the whole church gathers on the Lord's Day every week. It is to hear the gospel and learn. The preacher is not to preach for selfish gain. But dear brothers and Christians, there may be selfish gain for you gathering with Jesus. You gather what he has desired too. Brothers and sisters who love each other. It is also to be around those who do this, therefore, who have been served by Christ and are able and willing to serve you. We gain eternal salvation, and by each other's love we gain a foretaste of heaven to come. So come to where the roaring lion is silenced and where you are shielded by your union to Jesus, with whom we are all united by our common faith and our uncommon love for the gospel. Bear each other's burdens, because you can't know what is present in each one of our sufferings. But you can know where Jesus relieves all of us the same with the fruit of his suffering. Your greatest duty, dear brethren, is to be served by Jesus who has paid our debt. Do so, and you will find that you have many friends. Amen.